When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey, everybody. What's up? Hi. Hi. Guess who's back? Back, back, back again. I, I like, spent, like, the entire ride up here, like, I'm going to say something clever when they introduced me. You know, Nailed it. Nothing. Oh, nothing. Nate, we are so, so, so glad to have you back after your sabbatical. So tell me, did you find the relic from the exorcist when you were in, where yeah. were they, in Egypt? They were in South. Uh, they were in Saudi Arabia. I Did think. you? Fi- yeah. Iraq? How was your, your sabbatical to yeah. Saudi Arabia? Uh, it was really good, and I've totally seen Exorcist two and three. Oh, oh. totally, like a hundred times each, <laughs> and, and I've never not seen them. Yeah. So you and were were you also able to find Jaws and, and kill Jaws? Well, he can't kill Jaws. No, but he did stop the uh, Chucky factory from making any more good guy dolls. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, thank goodness. And you were able to save those kids from Crystal Lake, right? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not even that far away, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. Um, well, oh, man, I, I was really slack. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Dude, we, couldn't do, we asked you to do one thing while you were gone. <laughs> hey, listen, if they don't run when they hear... Ch- 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 yeah. They don't run when they hear that, and it's not my fault. Did you, did you not stand, uh, uh, you know, in front of the general store and scream about Camp Blood? Like, that was I your, mean, yeah. no, that's me in the future. <laughs> when I time travel back and I have a cool bicycle and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, you're, it hasn't happened yet. You're right, that is going to be us in the future. We're going to own a general store and warn all the kids about the not to go up to the lake. Go up there. Go up to Camp <laughs> Can I be the one who like eats the barbecue in the background and doesn't say anything, but also bites them sometimes? Would that yes. be okay? All right, yeah. thanks, guys. Yes, fun. excellent. <laughs> well, we are very glad to have you back, Nate. We missed you a super, super, super lot. Yeah, and we decided to uh, treat you with a good movie and a not great movie. <laughs> <laughs> not great. Not great movie. <laughs> uh, because mostly, I think the, the general consensus among all of us, though, is that we don't want to get buried in a pet cemetery. Mm-hmm. That's very true. Tonight, we will be talking about Stephen King's slash Mary Lambert's pet cemetery. And we also decided to treat ourselves to a little pet cemetery part trois. <laughs> that's, that's 30. That's part 30. Do? 
Twat? Park Dude. Hunde Twat? That's all I know from Hamilton. Dude. Did you not did you not listen to Muzzy when you were a child? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot about Muzzy. I didn't either. I just remember the Muzzy commercials always came on Nickelodeon. Oh. No, I think I, I wanted it. Oh, I absolutely wanted the Muzzy tapes. I had, like, the ghetto version of Muzzy. It was, like, schmuzzy. And he, like, <laughs> like, he spoke broken Spanglish. <laughs> and he was like, hey, the kid, at least you have to speak Spanish. That's what, that was schmuzzy. Oh, no. <laughs> schmuzzy. Oh, that's not what had, That was the He, had like, had, the he had, like, cigarette butts in his fur. He was all matted. Like, was it was, gross. yeah, he was he was, he, he was smelly. But that's when we had the hood. It was all good. We liked it. Um, no, I never had Muzzy, so part two. We're doing Ben Cemetery part two. <laughs> this is why. <laughs> this is why we needed you back, because I can't count. <laughs> in French. In French. French. In French. In French, yes. <laughs> I don't even know what language that was. Um, yeah, so let's let's kick it off with a little Pet Cemetery. Now, Nate, I have to say, nothing has changed in regards to Jackie's inability to synopsize while you've been gone, in case you wondered. Yeah, but I love to see her try. Yeah, we could, we could, oh look, she's Googling it. See, now that's what we do now. I get away I with don't just, like it. just re- I don't care. Because I'm not going to be berated for my 12-year synopsis. Just say don't Google it. Don't okay. you Google it. Just say what the movie's about. Okay. So, <laughs> when something, when your pet dies, when something dies, I hate you. I'm going to read this enough. <laughs> I can't do it. There's like a pet cemetery, and behind the pet cemetery, there's an Indian burial ground. So, if you're feeling really saucy, you take them up there, and they come back to life. And then bad stuff happens because they're not the same. They're different. Yeah, that's perfect. And then, like, a family moves in, and people die, and they put them in the cemetery. And Judd is, like, the worst neighbor. He's like, ah, let's start burying shit in the Indian cemetery. Like, it'll be fine. Indian burial ground. No one's using it. Like, yeah. Well. Uh, let me tell you this adorable story about zombies coming back and eating people's faces. Hey, remember when they had to set that guy's house on fire because he turned into a crazy zombie? Yeah, but nobody Let's should. go do it with your cat, though, and get that shit started again. That's all fair. Doctor Doctor Lewis Creed moves his family to Maine, where he meets a friendly local named Judd Crandall. After the Creed's cat is accidentally killed, Crandall advises Lewis to bury it in the ground near the old pet cemetery. The cat returns to life; its personality has changed for the worse. When Lewis's son Gage dies tragically, Lewis decides to bury the boy's body in the same ground, despite the warning of Crandall. And Lewis has visions of a deceased patient. That's kind of that's a bad synopsis. That's fucking terrible. You could have done good. better than that. But that's the story. That's basically it. That's yeah. Basically. That's basically it. <laughs> basically it. Very much. So I feel like I like Mary Lambert a lot, but I feel like like Catherine Bigelow, she always gets thrown in there when people talk about women in horror, which is fair because this was a really big entry in like the Stephen King canon, I think. It, it did well. It did. Um, one of my first notes is the actress who played Ellie, mm-hmm. the little girl, Super annoying, um, and I love Miko Hughes. I think he's amazing. Who's Miko Hughes? The, he's the little boy. boy. He's Gage. Ugh. I love him because then he, he goes on. Full on house. He was on Full House. He is in uh, <laughs> Wes Craven's New Nightmare. He's oh, in a whole yeah. bunch of. I love, and he he is the. Oh, he's so adorable. This he's really good. He he's is like a little dumb kid. Like he was amazing. One of my favorite things, and I'm gonna skip right to the end. And I this know we're gonna jump around. Everything. I'm sorry. His no. delivery is everything. It's so good. I'm my sorry. favorite thing is like I can only imagine the director being like, "Okay, Miko. Okay." Give us monster face. Like at the end when he's got the scalpel, I can just hear them being like, give us monster face, because he's like, <laughs> and he gives such good monster face. I know, it's it's pretty adorable. It's not supposed to be, but I found it adorable. No, he's super cute, super cute. Uh, what is the point of the character of Missy? 
And are we missing no. something by yeah. not having read the... Like, I have not read the book. So, yes. Is, um, is there a point to her? Because you could cut her completely out of the movie and nothing changes. So, I believe... I looked into it and in the book it, it's insinuated that she's one of the people that Lewis has an affair with. Um, yeah, like, because apparently they are both unfaithful to each other in the book and the book has a lot more to do with, like, the, ma the failed marriage and, like, the dichotomy between the husband and wife. Oh. So I think that's what I got out of that, but I, I don't know. I felt like I missed a lot not having read the book. Me I too, felt yeah. like there was... Like, the movie does a good job of, of keeping all the important stuff in play, but I felt like there's a lot of detail that I was not getting because there's there's stuff like that, like characters like that, that I'm like, uh, what's the deal? Because like, she's in the movie for five minutes and she hangs herself and then it's like, yeah. never talk about it again. Victor Pascal was a student that passes away. He's literally like Creed's first patient of the day because he's the new doctor at the university. And, you know, his, his, his first guy, you know, he dies. He comes back, I guess, as like a spirit guide for Lewis, trying to warn him. And, yeah. And, and actually and, the whole family and, against, yeah. you know, the evils. Um, it, was, it was done well. I, I can't help but do the comparison to American Werewolf in London and how they did it better. Mm -hmm. But it's I, still pretty good. It's though. still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's another thing where I thought there was more in the book that, that like, connected all these, like, supernatural elements, because they seem kind of, they're there and they need to be there, but I didn't quite understand the connections, like, why certain people got talked to and stuff, and, like, who's actually, because, I mean, it's not really that kid. It's some spirit controlling right, right. and it's just using right. that That's kid's body. So as, able to talk and, yeah. Exactly. So there's clearly something there, but... It's just another another uh, point. That... Well, I uh, I did a little research. Nice. <laughs> and uh, the book very much talks about the Wendigo as like the mythology behind the pet cemetery. And so, like, I find the Wendigo interesting because basically it is something that like sucks out souls and like t turns them evil. And like all all cultures have like some ideation of the Wendigo, like this like creature that takes your souls. And in the book, it's a very heavy on the 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 evil spirits combating the good spirits and the evil spirits being represented by the Wendigo because the Wendigo actually takes form in the book in mm -hmm. numerous occasions where like he sees it I'm in the totally pet cemetery. I know me too. I'm yeah. like it is on my list. Because I like the story a lot. It's just it feels like me this too. movie is like half of the actual story. Yeah. I feel like because it's just about this family and I feel like there's there's much bigger forces at play, especially knowing how Stephen King likes to have this big universe with like these giant like mm -hmm. gods like doing stuff behind the scenes and stuff. Yeah, and in the book I think it flushes that out a lot better and I'm excited um, to we'll read it. Yeah. And I like I think the line in the film where um I think it's Judd who says that like God can't bring them back, so we're gone. like basically like it's a very like godlike good powers versus evil powers and i think victor's spirit very much represents like the good angel trying to prevent the the dangers and the entire time especially once he sends his family away which i'll talk about because it pisses me off um <laughs> <laughs> the i think the bad spirits are very much controlling lewis and i would even argue that the bad spirits might have judd well i think that's a perfect segue to let's let's start talking about our friend judd and yeah. and his poor life choices <laughs> So, okay, so apparently in the book his wife dies, and he's going through a lot of grief too, which I think I would have liked for his character, because sometimes I'm like, dude, why are you such a fucking turd? Like, what are you doing? Like, he says creepy things to the kids all the time, he's like, and then why tell the guy to rest, like, put the dog in the, uh, the dog, put, the put church in the, in the freaking cemetery, you know what's gonna happen! Yeah, knowing exactly what is gonna happen when you bury somebody in, in the, uh, the Indian burial ground. 
why are you telling him to do it? Like, why are you even giving him that information if it's so bad? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I feel like then he very much, like, he knows what's going to happen with Gage, too. And he does nothing to try to prevent it or stop it. And I feel like, so I have to admit, this, the, the scene with the montage with the truck and then with the family afterwards came in a close second for me to Hereditary with how well it portrayed grief of a family who loses a child. Because, like, I think this might have been, weirdly, the first time I've seen this movie since I had kids, which I can't believe it's been that long. But I was like, shit, bro. Like, that hurts, but it's fucked up. And and I also kind of, like, got why he did it. Like, I know that sounds absolutely absurd, but, like, especially because Church came back and was so obviously not okay. But, like, I was like, yeah, I get it. I think I, I think I do it. <laughs> Can I say something? Even though Church was clearly like a, a meaner kitty, I didn't feel like Church needed to be put down at the end. I didn't feel like the world would be worse off for having like a more evil kitty run around, especially when they could just be killed by normal means. Like why? I mean, why you gotta? Why you gotta lethal inject the kitty cat? I, I think. I mean, Church tried. He brought Lewis a dead rat. You yeah. know, that's like a. That was a good kitty. That's good. He is a good kitty. Good kitty. You guys are ridiculous. Why? Church is a good kitty. Just because he goes every once oh in a while doesn't mean he's doing anything to hurt anybody. So it goes back to my theory that all cats are slightly evil. Oh. So yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, what did you think as a parent? How. Creed explained death to his daughter. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's a really interesting theme in the movie, and and I think probably even flushed out better in the book because parental parental dichotomies are tough. I mean, I think Matt and I both very much subscribe to the we keep it real, mm-hmm. but I tend to be more rose colored, spiritually based. Matt, as like a complete agnostic at best, kind of doesn't really subscribe to a lot of the ideas I do. So we do have that struggle sometimes, but I I think it's important. Like, I don't know. I feel like Rachel is too extreme in her avoiding of taboo issues. And, like, I do agree to some extent when he gets pissed at the beginning when he's like, don't make me promise things that, like, I can't actually do. Mm-hmm. I get that. Like, it, you can't do that to kids. You can't, like, promise them things we can't actually control. But I also feel like Rachel comes off so callous and cold and emotionally just gutted. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you guys, like, I feel like she's such a poor representation of motherhood. She just feels so emotionally detached from her kids. And it... Like, I almost feel like their marriage itself feels so emotionally void for me, too. Maybe know. maybe that's a carryover from the book that maybe it was fleshed out in, like, some deleted scenes or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you understood, like, why they weren't on the same page all the time. Because right. they, never, they never went into any of that marital, uh, the cheating stuff and whatnot. Right. And, and, like, I get, listen, I get she had some crazy-ish in her childhood. And her parents, I think, have a way bigger role in the book. Mm-hmm. And in the book, I read that, like, the parents are basically like, she can do way better than you. You, like, muted her, and you made her your maid, and you, like, took away what made her great. Mm-hmm. So I think there's this suggestion that their marriage is toxic for each of them, and I, I kind of read that into the movie, too. I don't think they're a good couple. And, like, when she's having her meltdown and tells that heartbreaking story about Zelda, and his answer is to drug her, I was like, seriously, dude? Like, she needs a hug. She doesn't need you to give her a friggin' zanny. Like, you're a jerk. So I kind of hated their marriage. I didn't hate either character necessarily, but I hated the way they were raising their kids to be just like, like they couldn't ever get on the same page about anything. And little Ellie, meanwhile, has like The Shining, which I thought was cool. Yeah. What's that about? Yeah. like she Is it The Shining? It's gotta it's be. It's gotta be. I mean, he King is notorious for having psychic kids in his yeah. books. And, mm-hmm. and little minor crossovers. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, I wasn't sure if it was, if it was like The Shining or if it was just. The spirits influence. The spirits like telling her things like in her dreams or whatnot. 
you know. The the other question I have is like, what exactly are the reanimated people? Are they evil spirits? Are they zombies? Because Gage eats the, the like yeah. Judd. Like there's, it's not it's not them. There's definitely yeah. something controlling those bodies that's not right. good because. Yeah, he, he totally ate that guy's entire face. It was really so much more <laughs> scary that than I remembered. Just, I love that you think it's adorable. It is. Because he's so cute. He's such a cute, tiny little five-year-old boy. And he's like, I'm going to eat your yeah. throat now. You, <laughs> can, <laughs> you can tell when it's a puppet. And you can tell when it's actually Miko Hughes. And when it's Miko, it's just, he's so cute. Because I could just, like, I wish I could hear the director being like, Okay, buddy, bite his neck. Get yeah, over. And he's like, <laughs> And when he's just like... Oh my god, at the end, when, when Creed, it like, does the lethal injection, not fair. Yeah. Oh, no, I did fair. love that part. He's too And then he like, he, like, drunk stumbles into the wall. Oh, I love, I just, I do, I love him to pieces. Oh, it's so haunting, though. We're kind of all over the place in this discussion, <laughs> but can I just say, there's portraits of, like, little kids in top hats. Yes! All over the place, and then he shows up that one scene with the cane and the top hat. I'm like, what is going on? What is this about? So there's so many things where I'm like, I, there's a connection here that is not being explained in this movie. So that was actually Mary Lambert put that in, and mm-hmm. she believed that. So apparently, one of the things she remembered from childhood was that really old photographs of family members and like in like aristot aristocratic families would they would dress the child in top hats and fancy clothes mm-hmm. and take big portraits of them or paint big portraits of them and hang them on the wall but they were already dead when they did that like when little babies died that was like a tradition way back in the day and so she was like what more haunting thing to do than to inject these portraits all over the movie and she said apparently if you look close enough like i didn't notice the rest of them but she said there's ones of all the family members who died I've like seen, I, I saw one in Judd's house, Yeah, and then I saw one in their house, too. Right, so I didn't notice, like, the I, other ones, but the Gage ones were everywhere, and mm-hmm. when, so apparently she was like, I thought, what better way to, like, promote the idea of, like, how we're never really dead, and how we play with our imagery of, like, photos, and, like, the theory that, like, every time you take a picture, a part of your soul gets left behind, and all that, like, mm-hmm. then by having those there, and then having him dress like that, which was so scary, if you ask me. See, I, I wasn't really scared by this movie. It made me feel lots of emotions, but not not so much fear. More like pity and like sadness and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's an that. emotionally draining movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt I Zelda gets me every time. Like if if this is a good way to segue into how scary the Zelda part is, um, just the idea of like being a child and being exposed to that like is such a mind f to me. Like it it's terrifying. I'm truly terrified by the imagery of her like crawling across the floor and all that stuff and like having to feed her and everything. Oh god. Yeah. At, so at the crazy. end when she says that like her and Gage are gonna come get her, like they're waiting for her. Oh my god. And her yeah. And yeah. That Zelda is just she's I think probably hmm, yeah, no, I'm gonna call it like she's like the scariest thing about this movie. Oh great. That's another thing that leads me to believe it's not actually them, but some kind of spirit, because the Gage is like, Rachel, ha ha ha, and he does the same thing that yeah. Zelda does when she's recounting mm-hmm. the story earlier. Yeah. It's funny, I have a note that says, man, it's funny when kids curse, because <laughs> when, when Ellie, like, right before yeah. Gage gets hit yeah. by the truck, she calls him, like, a ship biscuit or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have a funny story, too. Um, I'm sitting in my bed watching this movie, and just as he buries Gage... And I'm like, so I usually leave my door cracked open when the kids are asleep because, like, they like to leave their door open. Cause, and I'm, like, watching the movie, and I look in the door, and there's just a head. 
And I have no idea how long Molly had been standing there. But when I tell you guys, I kind of almost soiled myself. I wish I was joking. Like, I I feel really bad because I literally yelled at her. I was like, what are you doing? Why would you sit there? What the fuck is that matter I do? Because she's scared. I literally have never had that moment. Like, I was... Be, the, the terror of looking from the screen where he was waiting for his child to come back from the dead and glancing over to see my kid's head in my door frame I can't even begin to tell you the horror and I, she could have been there for an hour for all I know which you know probably is just as scary for her but I was like why would you do that why would you just sit there in the door frame like a total creeper and her answer was I just needed a sip of water <laughs> I was like go get water like it was so oh, good yeah I was so scared oh so that's the other thing like when is Lewis in control of himself by that point or is he also being influenced by the spirits or controlled by the spirits it's hard to say it, it is, seems like right? it seems like he's just overtaken by grief yeah. and all like good common <clears throat> sense has left him at that point he's like this is what I'm doing because I need to do it because my family's destroyed and I need to put my family back together it seems like that's what's going on. And it won't happen like the cat before. The cat was a weird thing because it's an animal. And Gage will be fine. It'll be fine. Everything will be fine. I'm well, not crazy. He, I'm just completely up, destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he says when he wants to bury Rachel. He's like, you know, I, I waited too long with Gage. Like, mm-hmm. she just died. Like, we can bring her back. It'll be different with her because she just died. Yeah, and, and I really feel for him. Like, at no point during all his stupid movement do I, like, begrudge him it because of the grief and the emotional distress of it. My big gripe about the film, if I did have one, and I don't know if the book does this too, but I hate when he sends them away, and I don't know if it's because he's trying to protect them somehow because he knows what he's going to do or what the deal is, but, like, it just feels very... He doesn't feel very apt at taking care of these women, and I'm not suggesting that men need to take care of the women in their lives, but I mean, like, in a mutual way. Like, he doesn't involve his wife or his daughter in any of his emotion or any of his... Like, I mean, he does do a better job than Rachel does at keeping his grief at bay when he's dealing with Ellie. But I get the sense that, like, he can't connect with these women in a meaningful way. And it makes me kind of annoyed by his character. And I and I also feel like sending them away is so deep dehumanizing to Rachel like she just lost her son and you're gonna like ship her off to her parents house like you guys need each other now more than ever like it just broke my heart to see how like uncomfortable their marriage was and I can't even begin to to imagine like what a a marriage goes through when grief like that strikes but like I don't know I would imagine you would lean on each other more than ever not send each other away see I took that as he was sending her away because he knew that he was gonna go dig up Gage and bury him in the Indian Brown And Ellie was probably going to stop. Yeah, I took that as he had to get them out of there, so there was nothing to stop him. Like, I think he knew from the moment Gage died that he was going to put him in the Indian Burial Ground. There's also apparently a really fun um, reference to where the wild things are that runs through the entire novel that suggests that, like, the little male child is like the wild thing and then juxtaposing that with the Wendigo. And it sounds like such fascinating, like folklore that I really want to dive into. (laughs) I'm totally downloading it. Um, The other, so the other thing I'm going to say, and this is going to be shocking and I'm going to warn you both now, this makes me excited for the remake because the thought of Ellie having a bigger role in the whole thing makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know she had a bigger role in the... Yeah, like, people she... are all pissy about the new trailer that came out for the remake because it basically suggests that Ellie's the one who dies. Ooh. What? 
and like people are all. If shitting. I'm being completely honest, I forgot her character even existed until I started rewatching this. Oh, me too. That's yeah. I was like, oh wait, there's another kid. Oh, I guess there is another kid. I'm gonna give it the college try. This this podcast is helping me have an open mind to remakes. To change. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> it's helping me have an open mind to remakes. And if anything can bring me to a remake, it is John Lithgow. Oh, John Lithgow, where have you been? Where did he go? I don't really have much else. And we're at the halfway mark anyway, so. Yeah. Just, this, just everyone remember that Church is a good kitty cat, and yeah. even though he was brought back to life, you should leave him alone and let him live out his cat life a second time. Cats are supposed to have nine lives. That's true. And he only got two. And you took one away. Rude. And, and you cut his nuts off. Rude. Super rude. How would you like your testicles cut off? They were really worried about neutering him. Like, oh, just a one in a thousand chance that he might not make this. Come on, neuter. Well, listen, I was like, I was like, listen. Who has ever been worried about you know neutering or spaying their pet? I mean, spaying is a completely different situation because they're 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 taking stuff out. Yeah, but neutering a male. Super scary complications. Oh yeah, because spaying is a completely different situation. They're just taking all your uterus baby junk out. They're giving you a hysterectomy, pretty much. Um, but for, but for a male cat, it's just, you're just snipping a tube. I know, we, we just had two, three of our dogs fixed. The two females and one of the males who was being a little bit too aggressive. And the male bounced back within 12 hours of coming home. And he was like, well, I'm fine, everything's fine. The two ladies were like, oh, I'm in a fucking blanket. I'm tired. Uh, I'm so tired. I got stitches. So, so overall, Pet Cemetery, awesome movie. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's. I think it's one of Stephen King's the best Stephen King adaptations. Really? I yeah, I think it's one of the best Stephen King adaptations that are out there. So my big thought here was God. God's plan for them was so painful and unbearable that life with the evil version of all this family and the demons' offerings were better than what God could do for them. And at the end of the day, like to me, the the bicyclist represented the good and the attempt at keeping things in the natural order and the, the spirits of evil and the, what evil could give them, which was giving them their family back, was just too tempting. And what scared me more than any of that was the idea that I get it. Like, I, I kind of voted for the evil life over what God had given them. And and on, like, a very theoretical level, level it weirded me out that I could I, I saw that. Yeah, no, yeah. Maybe. no, I subscribe to that. I mean, I can I can say as someone who lost, you know, a family member, I, you know, when I lost my brother, you kind of go through that grief of like, if if there was any way to bring him back, even slightly demented, you know, like if there was any way, like, yeah, I I think you know, I think anybody in that position losing a family member like that, like if there is a slight chance to bring them back. You'll go. You'll do it. Yeah, you'll absolutely mm-hmm. do it. Grief, grief does really fucked up things for you, and and it impairs your judgment. I agree after the first time, but bringing the wife back was a bit much. That's so dumb. Like you already yeah, know I mean, this is going to go really badly. That's fair. Yeah, but and I know, but like he comes up with this whole idea of like she just died. It'll I be know. better this time. Yeah. And like he kept trying to convince himself that. It'll be different. It. It'll be different. It'll be different this time. It is amazing what you can convince yourself of in the mm-hmm. throes of grief, though. Yeah. You know. Um, and arguably at that point he had lost his damn mind. Like, oh, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. He, was, 
He was gone. So let's move on to that little gem from 1992, Pet Cemetery Part yeah. 2. Also directed by Mary Lambert, interestingly. Um, she really didn't do much else besides these movies. I was so desperately hoping that we were going to see, like, this few, this huge canon. But really, she just did a bunch of music videos and, like, documentary uh, rock videos mm -hmm. after this. She really didn't do anything else. Hmm. Yeah. Weird, right? But, yeah. So <laughs> I blame Pet Cemetery too. Oh, stop it. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> for it's pretty bad. <laughs> I love it's it. Pretty, it's pretty... It's a pretty brainless, like slasher movie. Oh, I think it's got a little bit of depth to it. I like the little Freudian, like, take on the notion of, like, you know, the kids who are obsessed with getting his mother back and everything. It seems, it seems out of nowhere that he, like, does his heel turn at the end. Jackie, you... recap. Yeah, synopsis, uh, synopsis. Okay, here's synopsis. a recap. Remember the first movie? Well, they try to do it again, but they don't do it as well. No, they don't do it good this time. <laughs> they do it bad. Yeah, they do but... They use That's it. Fair. They use the pet cemetery as a plot device instead of like you know having everything like seamlessly woven into the story. They're like, man, we can use this this uh, fun plot device to make zombie monster people and then have fun with them. And then like that's it. And they use the entire like the entire movie is just justifying like putting people into the pet cemetery, even when it makes absolutely no sense to do so. <laughs> I'm rereading my notes, and I have to admit, you're right. This movie is fucking terrible. It's, it's stupid as hell. I it's have just, so many stupid notes that are, I'm like trying to justify. I'm gonna defend it, the movie for the record. It but. seems it seems like it was a studio movie, and they got her because well, she did the first one, and she's like, "Hell yeah, I'll do a second yeah. one. Who cares? Well, I'll take that. You've got you've oh, got yeah. um, Edward Furlong." Coming uh, off of sexy, I'm just kidding for a long. Which I, for the record, this is like ten year old me talking, right. not me. Now. So yeah, we've got him coming yeah. fresh <laughs> off of Terminator Two, right? Which from, for yeah. us in the like the, the early nineties, I yeah. had such a little ten year old crush on him. Oh, I never did. Really? Yeah, he was an awful me. actor. There's one scene where there's a close up on his no. face, and it clearly like like spritzed some water on his eyes, and he just looks dead into the camera. For like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, no emotion whatsoever. Like, Look how sad he is because he's got some water on his face. It's like, no, his eyes are cold and dead like a serial killer. He's awful. He's terrible. The only good movie he was ever in was Brainscape. Yeah, <laughs> I liked him in Brainscape. And T2. Yeah. I liked it when and I was got, like, you've got, a, <laughs> you've got um, Anthony Edwards, who was about to you know, become an absolute household name with ER mm -hmm. like two years later. So it's like... To me. And Clancy Brown, the voice oh, of Mr. Love, Krabs. I Hello. Love, <laughs> love him. Carnival is one of like, yeah, my go, favorite Go ahead things. and wrap your brain. The guy who plays Gus the is the voice plays. of Mr. Krabs. What? <laughs> You're welcome. What? I know. I was like, I know so many weird like voices from that show, yeah. but I had no idea that was Mr. Krabs. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like looking through his bio and I was like, hold the phone. Yeah. That's I, the, the credit I'm writing. Clancy down. Brown is. Amazing. A national treasure. He really is. He's amazing. <laughs> no, here's here's my I'm gonna here's my spiel on this movie. This is a cash grab. It's a movie. It's a sequel to a movie that did not need a sequel. Like there was no need. We we saw what happened to the Creeds. It, I thought it ended on a very high note with Rachel killing Creed, and that's it. That's the end of the day. It was completely unnecessary. You're gonna rehash the same plot device where someone or something like Animal 
dies, you bury it, it comes back wrong, and you do this and you just rehash it and you're adding nothing to it. And since we already know what's going to happen, since we all saw the first one, like there's no suspense, like there's no, you know... Oh, maybe it'll be okay this time. Yeah. It's only the sixth time that we buried someone in the pet cemetery, and all all the five other times we created evil things. And it'll probably be good yeah. the sixth time, though. I think there were a couple. Like, wouldn't you think the moment at the dinner table was suspenseful? Like, I liked the way that was done. It was so awkward, and like, I'm I'm a sucker for a good dinner table See, scene. And like, what threw me with that is that. And I guess maybe I'm holding on to the original because in the original, when you bury something, it comes back, it comes back wrong, and it tries to kill you right away. Yeah, Gus like came I, back and he was like, yeah, he kind of cool. I, he was reverse pet cemetery because suddenly he was the cool dad that like wanted to do fun stuff and let his kid have like sleepovers and fucking ate mashed potatoes with the big spoon and then laughed and let all the shit come out of his mouth. Like I don't know. Like I felt like they. They, like, I don't know, I feel like they kind of, like, messed the formula up, because then, then when he suddenly decided to start killing people, it just felt like a really awkward choice that, like, suddenly now he's going to kill people. He's been back for how long? I don't know. I, I don't think they did it well. No, this, this, this script was super sloppy. It was a super slop script. It was bad. Um, I did think of you, Marissa, though, because the, the housekeeper that comes to work for the family uh -huh. was the girl uh, from PCU. <laughs> So I have, yes. so I have the note. Hey, hey, ho, ho! Oh, this pet easy. cemetery has to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so here's my quick defense. So I get the the burying of Zowie because you know a kid and his dog. I get that, and I feel like there was a lot of moments that were like entertaining, and I, you know it's fair because it probably wasn't supposed to be as funny as it was to me. Mm -hmm. But like. When the forest fire, when they're in the cemetery and the fire is burning all around and they're like standing next to the body burying, I'm like, ooh, you better put that fire out because you can burn down the whole goddamn cemetery and then you're not going to be able to bury anybody. And then like later on, like he comes back and he literally like rapes the, the woman. Like what in the actual hell is happening in this film? There are so many WTF moments and... I want to, in my heart of hearts, think they're on purpose. But they're not. They're not. There's no reason for anything in this movie <laughs> no. to happen. Like, they didn't even need to bring Gus back. They wouldn't have gotten in trouble. Their dog wouldn't have gotten in trouble. They just said, oh, a wild animal attacked him. I don't know what happened. That's all I had to say. Right, and he was such a villain. And like, he was a dick. I know he was so much cooler when he was a zombie. But I had so yeah. much fun with but him. But they're like, hey, we gotta bring him back to life right now. Put him in the pet cemetery. Also, why? Why would you go to Drew's sleepover? Like, he, you just turned his father into a zombie, or his stepfather. Why would you go over there? I wouldn't go near that place for a 10 foot bowl if I were that kid. Because stupid. <laughs> speaking, stupid. Speaking of dicks, the, uh, the kid from Big was a total, total douche. And That's deserved, who that kid was. Yeah, he's the kid from Big. Uh -huh. He deserved to have his face best friend, rubbed right? off, yeah, by, by a motorcycle. He kind of did. Why did he come back at the end? Because they were building an army. Because, yeah, Gus decided to bury... I said I didn't get that, the whole, like, building. Like, Gus killed him and was like, he kills him, and then he goes away, but then he comes back and he's like, well, I'm trying to bury you. And then he wants to bury our uh, Edward Furlong's mom, who, at first when she came back, I'm like, why does she come back all pretty? Like, everybody else comes back nasty. One of the things I, that I also didn't like in this movie, and I watched this movie with my mom, and her and I both agreed that, like, some of the gore in this movie was a little gratuitous. And you know me, and I love my gore, but I felt like it was just so out of context. Like, when you like look at a movie... 
Yeah, like the bunnies, like the part when um, Edward Furlong's character is fighting the kid from Vig at the end, and then like he like throws up green slime on him. Like mm-hmm. it made no sense. Like good gore, because I, I, my mom was like, I don't understand gore, and I was trying to tell her, I'm like, well, it's got to be within context. Like look at movies like The Fly and Hellraiser. The gore in those movies are within the context, and they kind of drive the plot. Like you can expect them to be there, and you're like, okay, that makes sense. In this one, I felt the gore was just like, well, it's Pet Cemetery, and they're coming back dead. Like, it just, it didn't, it, to me, it just felt like they were putting it in there for the sake of its Pet Cemetery too. Like, it made no sense for the kid to throw up on Edward Furlong. What other horror movies were popular around the same time is what I want to know. The early 90s? Um, hmm. I don't know. That's like a really good question. Let me Google that while we, uh... Because this oh. was only like 1991 or something. 1992. 92. Um, there wasn't... I mean, there wasn't a whole lot. I don't think. But no, I feel like it was just trying game. to... I feel like it was just trying to compete with other, like... It, it, I think it was trying to... So like, we had, like, Gremlins Elm Street 2. T- like... I'm sorry, go ahead. Gremlins 2, Nightbreed, Child's Play 2. I think the tone yep. makes sense when you look at the rest of the okay. it, the people under the stairs. All of these films had very, like, Army of Darkness. Like, I, I think she was going for comedy. I really do. I think she meant for it to be funny at times. And I don't know that... I, I don't... I'm totally pulling this out of my ass, but a lot of the horror of that moment was absolutely like, dead alive. A lot of this stuff was absolutely, like kind of splattery mm-hmm, funny mm-hmm. so maybe she was going for that i'm not okay. saying that she necessarily hit the mark like okay so i literally at first was like oh god did he kill the what the, the mother and then i was like oh no she's just a sexual assault survivor and then like i was like with the bunny scene i was like Bleh! like i was like gagging yeah and then why at the end can she suddenly not chase them like why is she sad? i'm going to burn to death right here while you leave the, the entire house by okay time. to be fair though as a mom who uses my guilt all the time i could totally see myself being like stay with me like i would totally make it i would be like girl don't be me as i'm like literally melting I, in the corner i think the best part of the movie though for me was sex dreams where your mom's oh. head turns into a wolf head and anthony <laughs> edwards think... is not sexy please put his shirt on oh man it happened multiple times and i laughed super loud every time because it was just there, all the like gore and, and stuff like that in this movie was so jarring especially coming right after the first one I watched the first one earlier in the day and I was like Jesus what was going on with this movie what does it want to be I don't understand it was yeah this movie's a mess it is. I feel like it doesn't know whether it wants to be funny or serious or what but it kind of just gets awkward it, it Messes up all of those angles. Yeah, and it does kind of fuck up the mythology of the cemetery, which I could get why you would be annoyed by that. Um, I, I thought that the, at the intro, I thought that it was an actual like flashback, like oh, this is the original pet cemetery, the first person who used the pet cemetery, like even though they weren't supposed to. And it's like, no, it's just a. I was like, this better be a fake out because if this isn't a fake out, then I don't even know, know if I want to watch this movie anymore. But then. I was, like, relieved for, like, five minutes because it was a fake-out, but then they just have her get electrocuted to death, and they peel her face off of the fence. Oh, and they peel the face. Uh, it's just, like, she dies, and you're like, okay, you can cut and move along with the movie now, but they're like, no, we gotta show, like, how dead she is. Like, she's super dead, guys. We get we really it. We need to nail that point home. <laughs> and the bully fight was so stupid, you're uh, right, yeah. like... So unnecessary. Why um, is he? Why is he so antagonistic? The bully. He's in insane. Life, he's like a crazy person. 
Yeah, he's, he's like, a psycho. Oh, you have a kitten at school? I can't wait to murder that kitten. Yeah. No, he is like literally antisocial personality it's, disorder to the same. If you used to be friends with Tom Hanks and got to go like have fun in the big city and then were shipped <laughs> to this little tiny small podunk town, I think you'd be pretty antagonistic. Uh, and once again, in movies that have this happen, um, I couldn't care less about people dying and I am completely heartbroken when the dog dies. Like, no. in the very beginning, when we're introduced she to... She and all the cats. When we're, in the very beginning, when we're introduced to Anthony Edwards' character as a vet, they're putting a dog down. And it happens right after Edward Furlong's mom dies. And I'm like, couldn't care less about her death. I am destroyed by the dog's death. Yeah. And even the cats were so gratuitous. Like, there was no need for any of that. Yeah. At that point, though, like, there's so much ridiculous gratuitous violence in the movie that I was like, now the cats are dead. I should have seen it coming. It's fine. Yeah. It's no, fine. It's... As long as, you know, lead character cat was fine. That's that's all that mattered to me. Yeah, so I think this, this film does kind of play interestingly into the theme of what grief does to us and how it can totally possess us and kind of drive us crazy. I mean, in the first one, you see it very much with, like, the father-son dichotomy. And in this one, you get, like, the, the mother do the mother son dichotomy and I I thought that was interesting I, I liked the idea of the broken family again as like a running theme but also I think like because uh, it was true special needs <laughs> I'm just gonna ask I don't think so okay because the part where he literally is like he bought the guy back from the dead and the guy's acting like a total weirdo and you know something bad is about to happen and he's like I'm so happy now we can finally be a family it's like I have a real dad I'm like bro Seriously? Come like, on, man. Yeah, get your eyes together. What? Well, I mean, because the opposite, the, the the before Gus was like shooting at his dog and shit. Pretty sure shooting dogs is illegal, Mr. Police Officer. Pretty sure you can go to jail for shooting a dog. Pretty sure I, about that. <laughs> I also got the impression that up until the point when Edward, Edward Furlong got there, that, that he was the kid everybody picked on. But then when new kids showed up, he was no longer the the guy that everybody picked on. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I agree with Neat too. Like the I mean, his dad killed his dog or the stepdad killed his dog. The stepdad was like, Hey fatty, you can't have two pieces of, you know, whatever for dinner. You need to cut back. Like he was an absolute oh, shitbag. Yeah, so mm -hmm. And the that. fact that like he even showed him any kindness or affection as a zombie, like I, I think that he was so desperate for a father figure in a positive light, then like, fine, fuck it, you know, zombie stepdad, you know, you smiled at me. That's an improvement. Yeah, this movie plays with the idea of like the broken nuclear family and what it does to people in a kind of fun way. I thought like it was interesting. It was it definitely hit us over the head with it. It wasn't a subtle point they were making, but you know, just like the damage that the like broken families will do to yeah. kids was, was all right. I don't know. I, I'm entertained by this film every time. Like, there's never a time where I'm not delighted by Gus. Like, I'm like, hee hee hee. Like, I just love, I love the dinner scene. I love how weird he gets. I love the moment when the laugh just stops and they're all, like, looking at each other. Like, I thought that was a really well done scene. I also think that, um, for what it's worth, the ending, although bonkers, it, uh, it got me a little bit when she was begging him to stay. I felt like this whole time she's, like, demon-like and possessed by the bad spirits. And then, like, all of a sudden a shred of the mom comes back. And it, it jarred me a little bit in the not in the same way the first one does. It's not nearly as effective, but I I I, I wouldn't turn this off if it was on. <laughs> I feel like if they had leaned harder into the the gore and the comedy aspects of it, this could have been enjoyable, more enjoyable than what it is. But now, like 
I feel like I would never have a reason to go back to this movie because it's not quite one or the other. It's not like a full drama and it's not a full like comedy horror movie. It's like trying to dip its toes into like 12 different pools at the same time and it doesn't... You don't even have that many toes, dude. Yeah. You and only yeah, got I think, 10. I think you make a really good point about the films of that moment and maybe it falling trapped to trying to be like those films. And definitely feels like there was some studio heads like, no, we need more kills in this movie. What yeah. do you mean only two people die? That's crazy. In Nightmare on Elm Street 3, they kill like eight people and you're only killing two? No one's going to go see this movie. No, that's that's fair. I think this this movie fell victim to a lot of things, but it's yeah, it's fun. It's a good time. This this was a one and done for me. I had never seen it before. Really? I've seen it now. I, I was... I was really upset that I couldn't fast forward for this movie. Like it was, Aww. it was, yeah, it was a rough one. Wow, like you at one point, that much? I I paused it at one point just to see how much time like I had to go. No, no. And I had only been watching it for an hour, which meant I still had forty more minutes. <laughs> same thing, same thing with me. The first one oh. moves super fast. Which is great. Yeah. I can't believe how fast, like how how good the pacing is in the first movie. And this one. You feel like with the more violence and more crazy stuff happening, that it would be more, like, engaging and it would move faster, but it, no, it doesn't. It goes slower. It goes so much so slower. Funny. I was like, hee, 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 and it flew by. The, the <laughs> cringiest part for me in this movie was the very end. When they're driving away, <laughs> and we have the scene is, like, the camera is watching the car drive away, and off to the side of the screen... <laughs> We flash a picture of all the people that have died. Oh, and so it, great! And it reminded me of um, of Hot Shots, uh -huh. and when they're yep. seeing Dream Lover, and like they're showing the people that there's like. So in my head, I'm watching it. That was the one part I laughed. Because in my head, I'm like, dream lover, something, whatever the word. But like, I had the end of Hot Shots in my head. Why? Like, they literally like flashed a portrait picture, like soft focus oval of each actor. That died in in, in oh, the movie. It looked like it looked like the opening credits for a sitcom. Yes, for too many cooks. Like too like many uh, just the ten of us. That was so cringy. I was, was like, it was that was super, a poor choice. It was super Mary, cringy. Mary, that was a poor choice. Mary, bad choice. Stop it, Mary. No, I agree. That was cringy. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And again, I don't think it was meant to be funny, but it was just so cringy and funny. That was cringy. Yeah. Oh, so great. Also, vet ambulance. That shit was always what? What is this town where they have a vet ambulance like ready to take care of your dog with a gunshot? I like it. Next level. That is next level stuff. Leave it to Anthony Edwards. He was right there. He's like, yeah, dude, I got my, I got my animal vet truck. No yeah. problem. <laughs> I'll be there in five. Um, yeah, no, that's that's true. I I like what it. What a dumb movie. I have no reason <laughs> to like it, but I do. <laughs> do you have? Is there? There's like, is there nostalgia? For this? No, I don't think so. I think as a kid, I definitely had a crush on Eddie Furlong. Um, and I also think that I don't even know that I saw this in its entire... I remember watching it at some point on like WXIP or whatever in the afternoon. But no, no nostalgia. I just, I think it's fun. It's, I don't know why, but it just it amuses me. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I definitely watched it in high school because I remember that scene where the kid from... Um, Big. The bike face ripped yeah. off. I remember that scene with the bikes flipped over and spinning the wheel. I'm pretty sure when we were kids, we messed around with that kind of thing. Like, oh, look, you can flip your bicycle off and then you can make the wheel spin real fast. And we, were, we didn't really do anything. We were like, oh, look, it's just like Pet Cemetery. Also, for the record, I don't think he meant to kill him. 
No, he was like, whoops. Yeah, he yeah, literally. He didn't mean he, to kill so him. I don't think Gus came back to kill. Like maybe it was because he was a douche in real life. It was like some sort of reverse thing. But yeah, he literally was just scaring the kids. He was like, uh, whoops. I thought that was funny <laughs> too. <laughs> I, I laughed at a lot of the ridiculous stuff. Yeah, me in this too. Movie. And I, maybe and, it was and, more and intentional. I and I didn't hate it, but like. I would want to watch, like, clips of the parts that, that I enjoyed That's instead fair. of watching the entire movie. <laughs> That's post, totally fair. Post-death Clancy Brown scenes. Is yes. Is that for Yes, yeah. for sure. That's Z- true. Zombie Gus is what I'm here for. Me really. too, me too. I, I think I looked forward to the scene at the dinner table the entire film. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I love that scene. Um, I'm going to do that to the girls. I'm going to put mashed yeah. potatoes in my mouth and then, like, <laughs> laugh really quick <laughs> and then just stop and stare. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Fun. Okay, time out. So in that scene, and I don't know if I'm like way off base, but it looked like Edward Furlong was reaching for the salt shaker. Yeah. And that's when he like stopped him and like freaked out. Is that playing with the whole lore about salt keeping like evil spirits away? Jackie, you were thinking more about this <laughs> than, than anybody the director, the writer, the actors. <laughs> That is so true. <laughs> I mean, I'm into coinc- it. I think yeah. it. I think it's coincidental more than anything. Oh, yeah. but yes, you do have a good point. It's, I mean, it's brilliant, but I wish they had thought that much into this. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else, you guys? No, not for uh, Pet Cemetery 2. Not yeah. great. It's my last Two year. thumbs up for Marissa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Why does everyone in this movie hate animals? Everyone just wants to hurt animals in this movie. Adults do, yeah. Well, the kid, no, the, the kids, kids do bad. too. The yeah, kids the kids from it. Big like t- took the kitten. He's a sociopath. All of his friends were like, "Awesome, let's torture this kitten." I always just assumed that's how life in the burbs was as a kid. Oh, that's oh, insane! Like I always just saw all the kitties are cute. It doesn't matter if you're a sociopath or not. You still think kitties no, are cute. I don't, what, I feel like the like even all my knowledge of what it was like to grow up in the burbs comes from the movies. I assumed they took your sneakers like the guys in Hocus Pocus, took your kitty cat like the guys in uh, a pet cemetery. Yeah. I don't know. And we just know. we just rode around in groups on our bike up and down our, well, our safe suburban streets. I, I mean, that's kind of yeah, what that I did. That part's and we, did, we, did have a, we did have a bully type person See, who lived a couple probably streets Probably a sociopath. Over. He would never hurt a kitten. He, was, he wasn't actually a bad person. He was just different than us yeah, and older than us and intimidating. We, and we kind of turned him into the villain. And we're like, let's go start a water balloon fight with Butch. Maybe you were the also, yeah, you sound like the bully. No. <laughs> I do, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we did have a larger group than Butch's group, but he, he could beat the hell out of us if he wanted to. All right. Well, that's that does it for Pet Cemetery 1 and 2. 1 and 2? 1 and 2. 1 and 2? Why don't you just say uno, uno, uno e dos? Uno e dos. Why? It's because I'm Cuban. You assume I'm going to say uno e dos? Well, you can't say it in French, so... <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget to check us out on social media. Just search Jersey Ghouls and you'll find us there. You can find our podcast on your favorite podcast app. Again, search Jersey Ghouls. And for our podcast, our blog, movie reviews, and more, please check out our website, www.jerseyghouls.com. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 I love you. Goodbye. Oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants. in yellow and porous is he? SpongeBob If nautical nonsense be something you wish, SpongeBob Then drop on the deck and flop like a fish. SpongeBob Ready? SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob. Squarepants! Ha 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 ha!
listening to the Geekscape Network.